This sermon is about two remarkable songs sung by two remarkable women, Hannah and Mary. Mary sings the Magnificat. Hannah's song is called Hannah's Song, but it's also often called the Magnificat of the Old Testament. One song, that of Hannah, is the dawn of the great stream of messianic expectation. The other, Mary, is the high noon of messianic fulfillment. And linking these two great songs stands this great tradition of the Old Testament, which brings us to this Advent season. If you could have been a a proverbial fly on the wall at 11th century BC, and you'd been uh, in the home of Elkanah and Hannah and heard the things they talked about after supper one night, it would have been quite distressing what they were facing, what their land was facing. The country was divided. There was a time of great political confusion It was a time of rising immorality, a time of it just seemed to be darkness descending at every point. If that wasn't enough, the priesthood itself was corrupt. When Hannah prayed her prayer, Elah thought she was drunk. He couldn't hear the song. We're told that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, not because God wasn't speaking, but no one was listening. It was a hard time. The Philistines were now an occupying power, and even the Ark of God had been captured. It was a time of just no hope, a time of distress beyond anything we can imagine, or maybe we can. Indeed, it's amazing that the Jewish community to this day, I had the privilege of growing up in a Jewish community, that Rosh Hashanah, which is the the Jewish New Year, their version of Advent, Rosh Hashanah always begins with singing Hannah's song every year. It's their own way of acknowledging that this is the beginning of something really important. We sometimes mark it with Samuel, but it actually begins with Hannah. It's amazing to me that that Hannah had the courage and the, the fortitude. To pr- no one had ever prayed like this or thought like this or sung like this. She picks up an end of a rope. This rope stands for hope. This rope stands for expectation. This rope stands for possibilities in a world where there seems to be none. And I've always just been amazed by the this is a remarkable thing, because on top of all that everyone else was experiencing in the culture, of which she, of course, fully shared as an impoverished young woman in an occupied country with a corrupt priesthood, she also was barren. She had her own personal pain that she carried with her. She's the least likely person to start a song that will reverberate through the ages and someday end up in the book of Revelation. I just found myself so moved by this woman and both women on both ends of this great rope. They 
believed in something. They, they started something. She dared to pray a prayer that no one had ever prayed before. Who would have believed that this prayer, this song you heard, would lead to the whole prophetic tradition of the Old Testament? Who would have believed that this rope that they hold on to, this rope would lead to the incarnation of Jesus Christ? Who would believe that this rope would lead to the, the day of Pentecost? Who would believe that this rope would lead to men and women from every tribe and tongue and nation worshiping the Lamb, singing those great songs of Revelation? They say any good song must contain three elements, a color, fire, and music. And let me tell you, these songs are full of all of that. If you look at these songs, they're, they're remarkably disruptive. It, there are songs that actually believe in a, a great reversal. God is going to reverse things. He's going to change things. Uh, as Jesus later put it, in his kingdom order, the first are last, and the last are first. Th this came from Hannah. Because after all, if you don't know this part, uh, Hannah's song concludes and climaxes with the great word, the great phrase, uh, the first time in the entire Bible where the word anointed, Messiah, the, the word for Messiah, is ever used in that Bible. It comes from the lips of Hannah. She starts this stream of hope for an anointed one. And he's going to turn things around that those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry will hunger no more. The great reversal. She who is barren has borne seven children. She who has borne many sons pines away. The great reversal. The Lord brings death, makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. This is the whole kingdom reversal that we are experiencing and prepare for even now again in Advent. The whole song is about this tremendous turning where God is going to turn the world. And look at Mary's song. He's for mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, lifted up the humble. He has filled the hunger with good things and sent the rich away empty. I believe that Mary and Hannah, they're on two, two ends of these ropes. And here's Hannah on this this time of expectation, Mary, the time of fulfillment. I think in some ways Hannah is singing her song to Mary. Mary sings her song back to Hannah. And all of them sing all the way to Revelation. This is the great stream which brings us together. And these two women for our series embody what servanthood is all about. We've talked so far about how Servanthood is ultimately embodied in Christ. He is God's great servant. But one of the great things about sanctification is that we are called to come into this servanthood. We're called to bear it. With all of that means, both in glory and pain, and what it means to walk as the servant of God in the world. And I can think of two no greater archetypes of servanthood as Hannah, who's called God's servant, and she opens up her, her uh, song by saying in the opening verses, uh, the Lord has heard his servant. And opens up with this horn, that her horn is a tithai. And we don't use the word horn here much but in, in this context, but in the Old Testament, horn, to lift your horn up, represents 
strength and might and power. Here's a woman with no strength, no power. She has nothing in her world. And she says, the Lord has allowed me to lift up my horn. And she sings this song. And Mary, and of course, and this song ends with, but God is going to do it because he will exalt the horn of his anointed one, the Messiah. It's remarkable. And so she, she sings this song. No one believed. No one, the, even the priesthood thought she was crazy. But yet her son, Samuel, born from that barren womb, he takes hold of that rope. And Samuel himself says that God will someday send a king after God's own heart, referring not just to David, but to great David's greater son. Amen? Samuel took hold of that rope that Hannah held. David took hold of that rope that Hannah held. And David said to us in the Psalms, he said, the stone built rejected has become the cornerstone. Someday God would send a stone into the world that would, that would be the great building block of his kingdom. You see, David took hold of that rope that Hannah held. Isaiah, the great prophet, took hold of that rope and he said, someday there'll come one who's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of his kingdom and government, there should be no end. Isaiah took hold of that rope that Hannah held. Aren't you glad that Hannah didn't let go of that rope? Jeremiah took hold of that rope. And Jeremiah spoke of the one who be called the righteous branch. And Jeremiah envisioned the day along that rope, and someday that rope would lead somewhere where God would, would write his covenant, not just booming down uh, with fire from Mount Sinai and writing his law on tablets of stone, but God would write it in a different way. He'd write his law with love on human hearts. Wow. Jeremiah grabbed that rope. He had on to it. Ezekiel, who lived in a world of, of false shepherds, everywhere he looked he saw false shepherds, but he, he had the courage. Maybe Hannah gave it to him to grab a hold of that rope and say, I believe that God is going to send a great shepherd, one who will lead Israel well. Thanks be to God. Yes, Hosea grabbed that rope, and, and he's the one that said, out of Egypt I will call my son, knowing not just simply that God calling his children out of Egyptian bondage, but as Matthew quotes about that one true Israelite who had come out of Egypt and come to redeem his people. He held on to that rope that Hannah held. Daniel took hold of that rope, and he spoke about one who is going to be called like a son of man, who would be presented before the Lord of glory, and who would be given kingdom and the power and glory and dominion and be seated on a throne. See, Daniel took hold of that rope that Hannah held and believed that God was unfolding something in the world. He was turning the world and nothing could stop it. Jonah took hold of that rope, and even though he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, the gospel looks back and says, but yet but he came out to preach the gospel to the nations. Jonah is not a symbol for us, a symbol of, of rebellion and despair, because that's the point. All of us have lived in despair, 
But Jonah, Jonah came out of that whale and preached the gospel to the nations. And, and the gospel says that just as Jonah did that, Jesus Christ will spend three days and three nights in the belly of the earth and come out and preach the gospel to the nations. Yes, Jonah took hold of that rope held by Hannah and Mary and believed that God was turning the world. Micah took hold of that rope. And Micah, of course, as he grabbed that rope, he said, from you, Bethlehem. See, Hannah taught him this too. The least of the tribes of Judah. No one can come from Bethlehem. From you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, the least of the tribes of Judah. Out of you will come one who will lead my people Israel. Yes, Micah took hold of that rope and believed in this song that Mary was singing and Hannah was singing. Habakkuk took hold of that rope and Habakkuk believed that someday it will be a distant time. The runners are running. But someday, he said, we will learn that the righteous of God, the just, shall live by faith. Isn't it great that Romans, Paul heard that song too and realized he was preaching the gospel way back then. See, Habakkuk took hold of that rope and believed in this song that was sung by Hannah. Zechariah took hold of that rope and believed that one day God would do, again, something impossible. One who would be both a priest and yet sit on a throne. He also said this one would come amazingly as a king, but mounted lowly on a donkey. The very song that we sing in the, in the, in the triumphal entry of Christ. Malachi believed that this one would come. And Malachi held on to this rope that God was going to come and, and he would be bringing healing in his wings. You see, all of these great prophets took hold of this rope that connects the song of Mary, that song of messianic expectation with the song of messianic fulfillment. This is the great stream. But as I said, Mary actually does not hold the end of the rope. She holds the rope, what I call the high noon of the rope, because Jesus Christ is, of course, the fulfillment. But this rope goes on. It goes on through Pentecost, the church, right through, it splits through the whole history of the world and someday culminates in that great songs of Revelation that we all will sing. You see, all of us are invited to take hold of this rope and believe in this, these songs. We have to be kind of like, I don't know, Joshua and Caleb, we have to be the ones that believe in a minority report. The world says this world can't be turned. The giants are too great. Think of all the message of discouragement that we get every day that, that say to you and me and all of us, uh, Asbury will have no difference in this world. You can make no difference in this world. It's too broken, too misaligned, too angry, too much, just too much sin in this world. We have to learn how, what it means to let go, sorry, let go of our measly ropes that we hold on to and grab this rope. We have to be able to let go of your emptiness and take hold of this rope of his fullness. Let go of your brokenness and take hold of his wholeness. Let go of your sin, take hold of his righteousness. Let go of your guilt. Take hold of his pardon. Let go of your lust. 
and take hold of, of His longings. Let go of your shame and take hold of His glory. Let go of your pride and seize and let's take hold of His humility. Let go of your thirst for fame and take hold of His deep holiness. Let go of your strivings and take hold of His rest. Let go of all of your heavy burdens and take hold of His easy and light yoke. You see, that's what this is calling us to, to think differently, pray differently, believe differently. If Hannah and Mary, two powerless women, had the power and the grace of God to sing these two songs in worlds where it was impossible, we too can take hold of that rope. We're going to actually ask uh, this rope to be brought back again. And we're going to conclude our service by singing the Magnificat and modern, putting a modern song. But you know what we're singing? We're singing towards something. All of these songs sing towards something. Hannah's song, Mary's song. They sing ultimately to these great songs of Revelation. As in Revelation 4, where he says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's that song we're all singing toward. It's the song of Revelation 5. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and strength and honor and glory and praise. We're all singing toward that song. We're singing to the song of, of Revelation 7. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And of course, ultimately, we're singing toward that great final song of all the ages. The kingdoms of this world have become the king of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever.